Welcome to the University of the Free State Career Services Podcast, where we talk to experts about the ins and outs of jobs and share tips that will give you a grip on your future career. Have you set yourself up for a life of long living? Does your purpose connect with your field of study? Do you think you are in a field that will allow you to grow for the next 50 years? If your answer is no, then maybe you need to set up new goals or explore new spaces within your field or a new field altogether. Les Brown said, you are never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. Let's hear what our interviewee has to say about that today. We have Pastor Joy Machwa Ndichave. She has obtained multiple qualifications through her journey, her lifelong journey of 50 years. Uh, she has uh, obtained a bachelor's in economy, specializing in economics and transport economics, a diploma in transport management, a diploma in project fleet management, an advanced diploma in project fleet management, and she has completed an executive development program for women in transportation. And now she's currently doing her master's in transportation. Um, this is a full portfolio uh, for a woman who's still yet to um, discover herself and, yet, and, and she's still growing in that. In between completing her studies at different institutions and leading a full life, she has started a career in business uh, with its catering, distribution and warehouse sector, which she later on moved on to being an assistant director for the Free State Provincial Government. But right now, she's currently the director of various units in the Department of Education Community of Safety, Roads and Transportation. She's not only a warrior in the business sector, but a warrior in faith as pastor of Warriors in Christ Ministries. Pastor, good morning. How are you? Fine, thanks to you, my darling. I'm doing very, very, very well. Ma'am, this is a long, long, long list of accomplishments that you have acquired throughout your life. You've done well for yourself, ma'am. Um, I'd like to know what developed an interest in um, you moving forward in so many accolades, especially in transportation and uh, fleet management. Actually, um, what happened is I, I started my BCom economics degree at Rhodes University. Then I moved to the University of the Free State in 1995 when um, they started with an English English uh, curriculum. And as I was registering, I was told that uh, some of my courses were accredited, but then I still needed to do an additional course. And somebody said, uh, there's a course called Transport Economics. Uh, why don't you go and register for it? And I registered for it um, just as an additional course. But when I got into the English class where we were about six um, with English class at that time, English classes were in the evening. I then um, I then decided we, we were about six in the class and we were uh, lectured by um and an elderly, an elderly uh, prof- a lecturer called uh, 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 Dr. Barry Eckstein. And this is the gentleman that, that ignited my love for transportation because he then uh, gave me an opportunity to work with him even during the day with a lot of uh, consultancy work that he was doing for different companies like Toyota, especially in the, fr- in the fleet and in the freight sector. And I used to do a lot of work for him out of uh, interest. And this is the man that ignited my love for transportation. 
That's such a beautiful story. So um, you bumped into it. It was not the initial plan initially when you started. I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> I'm glad that you are here then so that our listeners know that there is also that field that they could tap into. Now, I'm quite interested in your journey because now it looks like a lot of things unfolded as you were living or just um, now going through the motions of what you thought, how you wanted your life to be set up. I want to know how your faith had played a part um, in that journey going forward. Well, faith, I think it's a very, very important foundation for a person's existence because life tends to get extremely challenging. And when life um, becomes challenging, you need hope to carry you forward. You have need to, to focus your hope on something, and in this case, on someone. And I found that in the, in the darkest uh, periods of my life and in the darkest times of my life, my faith in God and my hope in the fact that he has my best interest at heart. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says the plans that the Lord has for us are of good and not of evil and they're of a future with hope. And I believe that the faith that I've had in the Lord has assisted me to have hope in that God's plans for me will always triumph despite the challenges that I've had to face. Because sometimes in life you go through such serious challenges that you think of giving up, you think of changing your course, you think of changing the direction of and trajectory of your life. But the, my faith in God, I believe, has helped me to sustain the hope that I've had that I will overcome the challenges that I came, that I, that I experienced in my life. That's beautiful. And I know there's there's a lot of um, students who are part of the university who only discover their faith as they're going through their studies or through their years um, to complete their studies because they meet a lot of challenges as they are found in a new space um, far away from home. Then they come into their faith. And now I want to know, were you always a woman of faith? Did you grow up in a household faith or did you also find yourself um, the calling to be a pastor only later on? in life i grew up in a in a christian household i was brought up by a woman of faith a woman who, who believed in prayer and i think that um, as a student when i left home and went to Rhodes university when you leave home that's when you find your true identity and uh, you either find your faith you refine your faith or you lose your faith and i think when i got to university i had so many choices that were at my disposal. And I had a choice to decide whether do I lose my faith or do I find it at a greater level for my own outside the protection of my home. And I realized that at university, that's when I refound my faith because I realized that away from home, I needed an anchor on which to, 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 to stay myself. And my faith became my anchor because I realized that if you do not have hope and faith in God, you have to find anchor in something or somebody. And unfortunately, the somethings and the somebodies of this world are not permanent. And I've realized that it's only in God that I found a permanent anchor. Yes, and, and, and that's true. A lot of students um, find themselves giving their lives to a lot of other options um, or a lot of other things that they decide to anchor themselves because everyone needs an anchor as you had said um, but others do find faith um, to be the one anchor that can sustain them throughout their journey 
But Pastor Joy, you took it a step further. You became a pastor. Um, you didn't just become a woman of faith, but you decided that this is a role that I want to take in into my life and do it professionally. How did you come into then doing it professionally? What, what thought process or decisions did you make to say, yes, now I want to become a pastor? Unfortunately, becoming a pastor is not about a thought process. It's a calling. Mm. And uh, being a young woman who was extremely passionate about business, ministry was the last thing on my mind. I actually wanted to finish my qualification and go full-time into business. But then I was advised to go into employment in order to acquire the disciplines that I was were needed to make success of my business life, of which I did. And in the process, I was uh, still very, very strong in my faith committed to my faith life but being a pastor was the last thing on my mind until the calling began to knock uh, from the time that I was at university I had people who kept on saying that you have a calling for ministry and I just kept on putting it to the back of my mind because it was not in my plan uh, I, I saw myself as a businesswoman very successful going uh, achieving level levels and levels in the business arena and ministry was the last thing in my mind. First of all, because pastors are generally very poor. But secondly, because I've seen firsthand the abuse uh, that pastors um, experience at the, at the hands of, of congregation members for various reasons. And therefore, I did not want myself anywhere near the pulpit. But when the calling began to knock at the door, it was something that I could not ignore. And the thought process which I actually went through was... Um, praying and saying to God, do I really have what it takes to go into ministry? And it really took um, a lot of prayer and people that believed in my calling, encouraging me and helping me and supporting me to understand that it was this was part of the destiny of my life. And it was something that I had to embrace. So it took a, a number of years for me to finally um, accept that this was a course of action that I had to take. I took it very grudgingly, but uh, now that I'm in it, I don't regret the choice that I've made. You took it very gradually, but now that you're in it, you don't regret the choice that you've made. That's a beautiful no, discovery. <laughs> That's a beautiful discovery. Um, I I I know that I work a lot with theology students uh, myself in my own profession now, and I I, I know that those challenges that you actually uh, pointed out are some of the ch uh, uh, fears they have in, in, into going to um, practice as pastors or leaders in their church. Um, what would be your advice for them, uh, especially for, um, you said that pastors are generally poor or um, that they usually um, are abused in the hands of the congregation. What would be your advice to them, how they can approach such problems when they now go into that field and they encounter them? The advice that I would give them is that an, as a pastor is like a CEO. When you're a CEO, you, 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 you are running an institution and it is you who becomes the first one that are facing the institution. And as a pastor, it's exactly the same. The pressures that are that are facing the church, you are the first person that gets put out there in the cold face to be able to 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 traverse those those dangerous waters on behalf of the congregation, both physically and spiritually, as well as with regards to church administration. So my advice would be you need nerves of steel. And you need to be a very organized person. You need to understand that as a CEO of the church, you need to be accountable to a board that oversights, that is uh, performing oversight over the church. 
but you're also accountable to the community, just like um, a CEO is accountable to shareholders. So when uh, it is you are called upon to account, you must not take it as an attack, but know that it is part and parcel of uh, the calling or the, 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 the job that you've taken upon yourself. And secondly, um, pastor has to face many challenges. I know pastors uh, of churches that are more institutionalized usually have to face the, the pressure of having to be moved around after a, a certain number of years. And what I've noticed about these pastors is that they're literally at the mercy of the congregations or the, 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 the circuits where they are placed. And the, the big challenge uh, with churches at this moment in time is finances. Churches do not have money. And you find more and more that pastors are finding themselves at the end of their work life with very little pension, sometimes don't have homes. And pastors are at the mercy of congregation members to come up with innovative ways to make sure that a pastor has got a sustainable livelihood. What I've noticed is that this also has a very negative impact on the children of pastors because they look at their fathers who are ministers or their mothers being at the mercy of the decision-making of other people. So I would encourage pastors to look for innovative ways of making money outside of the ministry. Because that way, when you have another income stream, you then um, and assist your family to be able to, to make decisions which are independent of whatever happens within the church environment. Whether it's an institutionalized church, whether it's a charismatic church, uh, regardless of the type of, of, of institutional arrangement that you're in, there is no pastor that can survive on the church salary. You need another stream of income to make sure that once the income that comes from the church institution cannot sustain your family, you know that you can depend on something else, whether is it to have a house or to take your children to school or to do whatever else that is necessary to make sure that your family becomes a stable family emotionally, psychologically and financially. Thank you. So for our students, um, it would be, in your opinion, advisable to pair their studies of theology with another passion of others they have, maybe as an elective. I'm, I'm suggesting that they pair their theology studies with something that is going to be able to assist them to make a living outside of the ministry. Okay. Because if it's a passion, a passion might not necessarily assist you to make a living. If there's a cause for entrepreneurship and you feel that you, you have a desire towards entrepreneurship, take an entrepreneurship course that will assist to, to assist your family, but also assist the church with fundraising activities. If you know that there's something else that you love doing, which you would like to take a formal course in, take a formal course in that and, and try to make sure that when you leave university, you have the skills that are going to assist you because another problem as well within mainly our institutionalized churches is that you might not get placed as soon as you qualify or sometimes you might get placed and then at some point in your career you find that you do not have a church to which you're allocated to and you become unemployed and with our independent churches you might be leading a church but you are leading a church of people that are not able to sustain your salary for whatever reasons take covid-19 for for example during the covid-19 era a lot of churches suffered financially because of the fact that people were not 
uh, uh, giving to the churches they should have. As soon as that happens, pastors suffer financially. So I would suggest to theology students, and not just to theology students, but to any and every student, say when you leave university, leave university with multiple skills. So that when you are finished, there's no guarantee that once you qualify or once you graduate, you are going to get the, a job because the job market is shrinking daily. Make sure that you leave university multi, multi-skilled so that at least one of the skills that you have acquired can be able to help you to sustain a livelihood. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Pastor Joy. That is actually very, very helpful advice. Now I'm going to ask you my last question before we jump into our fire round. I'm going to asking you uh, quick questions and interesting questions. My last question for you is: you man, you have to manage your business um, and your career separately, and also your your life in faith um, as a pastor as well. How do you manage the the scales of both, um, being having been one individual? Ma'am, you have 24 hours in a day, of which a minimum of six hours you spend sleeping and resting your body, which means you have 18 hours left, of which eight hours of those 18 hours, I have to be at work where I'm formally employed, which leaves me with 10 additional hours. Those are the hours that I have a choice to say, what can I do with those hours? And these are the hours that I use to do what I do think is going to further my purpose of life. Thank you so much for phrasing it like that. I think that makes it easier for students to also um, rethink of how they look at their time management when they're looking at their studies, their social life, and also um, life outside um, non-academic activities that they would do. Thank you so much for putting it like that. So our next round um, of questions is called the fire round question. So I'm going to ask you questions. Um, you have to answer them as quickly as possible. Um, don't think about it too much. Just give me the first answer that pops into your head. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Coffee or tea? Tea. Remote or on-site? Remote. Every morning I? Every morning I reflect for about six minutes before I get out of bed. Okay. And my favorite word is? God. Amen. Thank you so, so, so much for spending time with us. Pastor Joy, I thoroughly enjoyed this interview. There were so many gems of knowledge that I've taken in for myself, and I'm sure our learners have taken in as well. Uh, please enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for joining us, and I hope this will be fruitful for you, our uh, listeners. Thank you so much. That's it for now. Listen to all our episodes to make sure that you get into the fast lane of career success.